voice. Yep, you can borrow a book. Now the books um, that we're using are more of a devotional book. They really don't go with the lesson like it normally does. So probably you're better off taking those home and studying those and going through them each week. Um, if Mom, if you would, these would be good books to send home to those who don't normally come on Sunday night. So there's a few down here, unused ones. So that'd be really good uh, that they could use that as a study outline because it's, it's talking about one another. It's strengthening our relationships, um, God-given relationships in and through the church. And so um, very important lesson. We're going to be talking about loving one another. And I have to be honest, there's a few things that in the Bible, the concepts and what we're to do and what it's supposed to do that are, I guess I should say, hard um, to see it happening. Uh, one of those is like loving one another, and, and, and we'll get into it, but People seeing that and knowing that we're identified Christ because of our love one toward another. Do people really see that? That's like one of those things that I have a hard time. Is it that strong or what do we have to do uh, to make it that strong where it's a witness to the world? Another one is that they may see your good works and glorify God. You know, a lot of times we'll get praised, but what are those things that we can do that really that when they see it, they're like, giving God glory. I know the concept, but the strength of that and, 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 and that being a power in our lives is, is, a, is another thing, just to, just to be honest with you. I, I know what the Bible says, and, uh, but I, I feel, quite honestly, sometimes a little anemic or weak at that. Let's go to our text, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, John 13, 31 through 35, and as you're turning there, I've stymied the follets by not putting any letters up there, <laughs> so we will, uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be everything against the follets tonight, can, can you handle that? All right, so all this side, whoever gets it first gets a point. All right. Okay, John 13, chapter, or John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35 says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Man's concept of love is often shallow 
and fleeting. Just think of the flippant expression of, I love you. Now, I don't want to discount that. You know, uh, it's good to say those words quite often, especially to those who are close to you really uh, mean that. And I, and I think that goes a long way. You know, I was thinking at the uh, uh, golf outing, you know, my son's uh, sons-in-law might, you know, might have a man hug and say, you know, I love you, you know. And that's kind of a testimony. Uh, that, that's kind of a different thing. People kind of like, hmm, that's, you know, maybe make some people un- uncomfortable. We commonly hear those words. There exists, however, a profound and enduring kind of love. Jesus Christ demonstrated the highest example of love the world has ever known through his life and his sacrifice. As Christians, we are called to emulate the love of Christ. The Greeks have different words for expressing various kinds of love. Uh, we think we've been through this before. Eros is, describes the sexual love and Phileo refers to brotherly love. The love that Jesus calls us to, however, is a higher love known as agape, a selfless and unconditional love. Perhaps you have experienced a relationship that was short-lived, maybe in the past. You realize later the relationship was based on a superficial kind of love. The truth is emotional love wears off. A husband was coming out of anesthesia after undergoing a surgery in the hospital. His eyes fluttered open, and noticing his wife sitting beside him, he muttered, You are beautiful. Flattered, the wife continued the vigil. Later, the husband woke up again and said, You are cute. What happened to beautiful, asked the wife. The drugs are wearing off, came the husband's reply. (laughs) You know, emotional love may be fleeting, but a Christ-like love lasts forever. In the first 12 chapters of John's Gospel, the author covers Jesus' early earthly ministry. The next seven chapters focus on Jesus' final 24 hours on the earth. And we've talked about that. Jesus knew that his death was imminent. He would soon have to undergo terrible torture and bear the wrath of God for men's sins. Despite the agony that lay before him, Jesus was still interested in investing in his disciples. He gathered them to an upper room and gave his final instructions and gave them a new commandment to love one another. So hopefully you've you've got that picture. He's going to the cross. This is his last words, and he's going to tell them to love one another. Luke 22, 10 through 12 says, And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in, and ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. There was three events about to take place in this upper room. I don't know if you've thought about this before. We know about those events, but these events happened up there. The disciples gathered to celebrate the Passover, an annual memorial of God's deliverance of Israel from their slavery in Egypt when God judged Egypt with the death of the firstborn. 
He commanded the Israelites to kill a perfect lamb and smear its blood on their doors so that the firstborn would be spared. The Passover signified the power of Jesus' blood to save us from the death of sin. Then the second one was the washing of the disciples' feet. Following the Passover feast, Jesus washed his disciples' feet in John 13, 4 through 10. He demonstrated humility and love that established him as the model of servant leadership. I tell you, if God calls you into ministry and however you do it, it needs to be servant-paced. The institution of the Last Supper was the third thing. That happened. Finally, Jesus institutes the Last Supper with the bread and cup, which represented his body and blood. This ordinance was meant to remind believers of Christ and his work on Calvary. That's an interesting thing. It's, you'd think you'd never forget that in your life, but Jesus knew who we were, and he wanted us to regularly remember. Uh, his death, the shedding of his blood, and the giving of his body. So with that said, we're going to start with our first word. And I'll try to do this so I don't get in the way of everybody. And when I hear the right word, I'll say that's right. And you guys got to figure out who gets the score, okay? Nope. It got it. Oh, didn't leave enough room for that one. The proclamation of Christ. You notice in verses 31 and 33 of the text that at the time of his death, when it draws near, Jesus proclaims that he and he, the messianic son of man, is now glorified. We have his. Got it. Death. One to one, right? All right, his death. His death. Jesus' glorification will begin with his death on the cross. In verse 33 of our text, Jesus tells his disciples, Yet a little while I am with you. After being with his disciples all the while and performing many miracles with them, it was time for Jesus to go to the cross of Calvary. Warren Wearsby said, From the human pers perspective, the death of Christ was a dastardly deed involving unspeakable suffering and humiliation. But from the divine perspective, it was the revelation of the glory of God. During this moment of Christ on the cross, the whole world would see that there was a Messiah who came to shed his blood for the sins of men so that they all might be saved. Jesus had offered himself as the covering for the sins of the world. 1 John 2.2 And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. It is not amazing that even today, 2,000 years after the death of Christ, the cross for us still serves as a symbol of glorious victory, not defeat. When we see an empty cross, we are reminded that we are on the winning side because Christ has risen 
and is in heaven. So we have his death. Got it. Deity. All right. What is deity? Christ speaks of his glorification. He is referred to, it's referring to his deity or identity. He is declaring that the world will see him as he is, the true Son of God. The Bible is clear that Jesus Christ is eternal in nature, but he took on the form of a man. John 1, 12 and 14, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the eternal word. But in Bethlehem's manger, deity became wrapped in humanity. God took on human flesh that he might die on the cross. Bear in mind, from that manger to the cross, Jesus never ceased being God. In Romans 1.4, we read that Jesus declares His glory in being God. Romans 1.4, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The American statesman Daniel Webster was invited to dinner with some distinguished literary men in Boston. During the dinner, the conversation turned to Christianity, and Webster clearly stated his belief in the deity of Christ and his dependence upon the atonement. One man said to him, Mr. Webster, can you comprehend how Christ could be both God and man? Mr. Webster promptly replied, no, sir, I cannot comprehend it. If I could comprehend him, he would be no greater than myself. I feel that I need a superhuman Savior. Hmm. What a thought. That's, that's a man who's got God wrapped around his heart and can say stuff like that right off the bat. You know, that's a, we, we want a desire to be, be like that and say the right words in the right way at the right time. We may not understand the deity of Christ, but we are surely grateful that God became man, dwelt among us, and went to Calvary it is only because Christ was both God and man that His blood covers the sins of the world. Only God could be so loving as to die on a cross and so powerful as to rise again from the grave. Not only was Christ God who became man, but He also glorified the Father. Verse 32 tells us that God was glorified in and through Christ. Christ's work on the cross, obedience to God's will and display of God's nature brought great glory to the Father. He's, again, Jesus is constantly the example. Even being God, he, you know, he, he still showed how he was obedient and how he, his life was to bring glory to the Father. And thus, God the Father glorified him through it. John 17, 1 and 4. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
Every step Jesus took was with the desire to glorify God. What about you? Are you living your life to the glory of God or to the glory of self? After this morning's message, that might be hard to figure out because of that pride thing and being deceptive. We will not obey Christ's command to love one another if we are living for our own glory. We must be living for the glory of God. That's a hard reach, folks. That's okay. But we can do it somehow. We just need to seek God in that. So we have the proclamation of Christ, number one. Number two, we have the blank to the church. You guys ready? Oh, boy, I don't know who got that one. Tim got it. Tim got it? All right. Fathers are ready to battle today. All right. At the time of his death on the cross drew near, Jesus had some final words for his disciples. First, he had the blank to love. Command. Was that a follet? All right. (laughs) All right. The command. Well, you don't have to say anything, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I just goes to death. This message this morning's coming in strong, isn't it? All right, before parting with his disciples, Jesus tells them in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. The word commandment, a new commandment, he says, it is an authoritative prescription. It is an injunction that Jesus was giving the church. We need to realize that loving one another is not an option. It is an imperative. We are, if we are not loving each other in a Christ-like way, we are disobeying a direct order. Jesus wants us to follow his example of how to love. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Not only does Jesus want us to learn or to love others the way he did, but he also wants us to have the right motivation for loving we used to do a thing and maybe we'll do it again there's right 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 wrong 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 right you know doing the right thing with the right motive is is really fully what you should do what is our love toward others is it is it just a performance or is it something we do simply to check off of our list we ought to love others because the love of christ flows through us galatians 2 20 that is the only right motivation for loving. And, and uh, Brother Mike Reader, was, he, he alluded to that, like why we should tell others about Christ. And a lot of times we get on the surface of motivation because they're going to help. Well, it's because we love God. We love what he did and for us and how to come out of that kind of a heart. And that's really important because the other one will, you know, it becomes man's work a lot of times. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. For brethren, you have been called 
unto liberty. Oh boy, some people take and run with this one. They kind of stop there. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Liberty is by love to serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let me repeat that. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The liberty mentioned in this passage is distinct from the world's concept of freedom, which often promotes selfish interest. Instead, our God-given liberty is a freedom to serve one another and demonstrate the love of Christ. When God commands us to love one another, He also shows us how to do it. So we have the command to love, and we have the... Uh -huh. Demonstration. Where's <laughs> <laughs> you guys zipping the lips? <laughs> Go for it now, guys. All right. It's okay. The demonstration of love. Verse 34, Jesus told his disciples to love one another. He said, as I have loved you. Hmm. The disciples were commanded to love others with the same standard and kind of love that Jesus had for them. Remember that Jesus commanded the disciples to love one another after he had washed their feet. He was about to die on the cross for the world. Here was Jesus Christ hours before giving his life as a sacrifice for our sins, washing the feet of his disciples. This is love. Carson said, the disciple of Jesus will stand out in the world because of the divine quality of his love. How are we to love others the way Jesus loved us? Sacrificially. Jesus demonstrated his love for us by giving his own life. In turn, we are to love sacrificially by giving ourselves to others. 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Under the rule of Oliver Cromwell, Lord Protector of England, during the 17th century, a soldier was sentenced to death for his crimes. The soldier was to be executed at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. When the time came, however... The bell did not sound. The soldier's fiancée had climbed the bell tower and wrapped her body on the great clapper of the bell to prevent it from striking when the ropes were pulled. When she was brought before Cromwell to explain her actions, the weeping fiancée showed him her bloodied hands, arms, and skull. Moved by her actions, Cromwell pardoned the soldier and said, your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. Curfew shall not ring tonight. Similarly, we were doomed to die at the sound of the judgment bell because of our sins. But Christ took our place and died on the cross. He delivered us from death that we might have a home in heaven. That is how much Christ loves us. When we examine our lives, 
do we see sacrificial love? In our families, do we only love our children when they are obedient? Ooh, these are some tough questions, man. They're like three years old now. Oh, man, we're going through a rough time. What about our love toward our spouses? Ouch. Christ commands husbands to love their wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 5.25 Love is more than just feelings. A young man said to his father at breakfast one morning, Dad, I'm going to get married. How do you know you're ready to get married? Asked the father. Because I'm in love, Dad. How do you know you're in love? Asked the father. Well, last night as I dropped my girlfriend off at her house after our date and told her good night, her dog bit me, and I didn't feel the pain until I got home. Not only sacrificially should we love, but we should also love righteously. We need to bear in mind that while God's love is sacrificial, it's also righteous love. It does not permit us to sin. When the woman caught in adultery was brought before Jesus, he forgave her but told her to stop sinning. John 8, 10 through 11, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. God, in his infinite wisdom, can love a sinner without condoning his sin. Similarly, as a church, we must embrace sinners, but not their sins. So we have sacrificially, righteously, and then also constantly. In addition to being sacrificial and righteous, God's love is also constant. Isn't it wonderful that God's love is not a part-time or an on-and-off feeling, but a full-time commitment. If that's anything us husbands can do is to let our wives know it's just no matter what, it's commitment. You don't have to worry about it. Romans 8, 38 through 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how we are to be as husbands to our wife. We may have different backgrounds or past, but God loves us all the same and will never stop loving us. His constant love for us should motivate us to love others continuously. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Maybe like you, I'm starting to think of these things that come in my mind sometimes. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. <laughs> all things. In our flesh, loving others may seem like a difficult task. No, it doesn't seem like it is a difficult task in the flesh. We might even balk at it, but God has commanded us to love one another. 
The good thing is that God's commands come with His enablement. He has given us the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. When we are yielded to the Holy Spirit, we find that we are able to love one another as commanded. So we have the proclamation of Christ. We have the exhortation to the church. And now we have the what of love. Are you guys ready? Close. Identification. Okay. Who got that one? <laughs> Abby, all right. Fat side, okay. We'll put a little J up there. Yeah, there, yeah. there you go. <laughs> all right, the identification of love. Something amazing happens when we live out God's command to love one another. Verse 35 of our text tells us that the people around us begin to identify us as Christ's disciples when they see the love we show one to another. We know we are following God's commandment when we love, when love for others is evident in our lives. May I say it's the opposite when we don't show love one to another. So we come to our first point under the identification of love. And ready? Outward. That was this side, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness, we're going to have a tiebreaker on the last one. <laughs> now pay attention to the lesson, not the word down here. I think I might have to do the last one a little different. I think I am going to do it a little different. <laughs> we develop our testimony based on the way we act. What kind of testimony do you have? Would those around you identify you as a Christian? God wants people to know that we are different from the world because we know Him. If you know Christ as your personal Savior and are following His example of love, you will develop an outward testimony that reflects Christ. As the following passage shows, a believer in Christ will take the lead in helping others when he sees a need. 1 John 3, 17 through 18, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. James 2, 15 through 16, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute, of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? I'm going to make a statement here. We do give to Fairhaven, the men's home down there. And, and that is a part of ministry. But this is referring to the brotherhood. This is big. We need to be there for people in the brotherhood of, of Christ. More so than those down there. That is something to do. The poor will always have. And we should minister, and it's a good thing. But really, we need to be ready to minister 
and you guys have come through quite quite strongly with the readers when they went through a difficult time when we reached out to them in, in many different ways. It's not just giving them finances, although that was big and helpful, but just in other ways and supporting them and praying for them and, and uh, loving them through the, the situation. But let me give you an opposite uh, situation here, a story. After billionaire hotel owner Leona Hemsley, have you ever heard of her? Okay. She died in August 2007. She left her dog a 12 million trust fund for, its, for it to continue living a life of luxury. She ordered that when her dog died, it was to be buried next to her in the Hensley Mausoleum. The mausoleum was to be washed or steam cleaned at least once a year. And she had set aside three million for the upkeep. Leona also left two of her grandchildren out of her will, saying that they knew the reasons why. <laughs> we can tell that this woman truly loved her dog. Her treasure was where her heart was. When we love God, we can love anyone, regardless of the kind of person they are. This is simply because God loves everyone. None of us are deserving of God's love, yet He extends it to us. One author said, when you love people who are like you, that's ordinary. When you love people who are unlike you, that's extraordinary. When you love people who dislike you, that is revolutionary. The love we have for one another is an outward testimony to others that we are followers of Christ. So, we're coming to our last point. The identification of love, it's an outward testimony and it's an something testimony. And what I'm going to do um, since there are only two, I'm going to get. I'm going to start over here with the follets. I'm going to give you the first triad. As you can see, it's an, so it's going to start with a vowel. You got to guess. It is not inward. It's kind of like hangman, ain't it? <laughs> All right, over here. What kind of testimony is it? We have an outward and a what? Yes? Five seconds. Nothing? Okay. Follets. Ten seconds. Got to get the exact word. Owen. Not Owen. Ten seconds.
you ruined it all. It was after the time. You said it. So what that means, what that means is I can't give the points to anybody. So it's a tie. You kiss your sister. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> Ownership testimony. Christ tells us in verse 35, when we love one another, the world will know that we are his disciples, that we belong to him. We can tell if someone is a fan of a certain music group or sports team by the way they express their love for it. Think about that. They talk about their favorite team often or wear the team jersey to show their affiliation. Similarly, the world will see that we belong to Christ through our love for one another. If we truly love the Lord, we would want to love others too and show that we are followers of Christ. Mark chapter 12, 29 through 31, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, like namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So here's the conclusion. What sets Christians apart from the world? Love. And specifically, our love for each other. A Christ-like love. God's command for us to love one another is to show the world the love of Christ in us. When we love God, our natural desire is to obey His commandments. Jesus Christ first showed us the perfect example of love by dying for our sins. Then He instructs us to follow in His footsteps by loving one another sacrificially, righteously, and constantly. Our demonstration of love identifies us as His disciples and points the world toward God. Wow. Perhaps you do not yet know Christ as your Savior. It talks about here. God wants you to know that He loves you and His Son to die for you. You can be a part of the family of God if you receive Christ as your Savior today. It's impossible to do these things unless you have Christ as your Savior. It says... In 1 John 4, 9 through 10, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Final statement, if you are saved, the people around you should see Christ in you through your love. And it should build up within us. It shouldn't, as we demonstrate that, it should, should build, build our, our love toward one another and encourage one another in that. So it's a supernatural thing. It's not a flesh thing. You're not going to be able to, your flesh is going to reject that. Your flesh is going to want to respond. We need to hold the flesh back, look at the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will help us. It's only through the Holy Spirit to, to overcome 
in those situations. All right. Here's a suggestion. We've got a little bit of time. Encourage your group to think of ways they can demonstrate love, especially to unbelievers. Ask them to suggest specific things they can do for someone this week that will reflect their love for Christ. Boy, that puts you right on the, on the edge. Does anybody have any suggestions? Abby. something that I've noticed people, unbelievers, notice a lot. If you have good relationships with your family, especially with your mom, mm -hmm. if you like your mom, <laughs> like if you love your mom, that's even better, but if you like her, that's impressive. Um, but like that's a way to show God's love to others is when you have your love towards your, your family. Authority, whoever your authority is, because normally, or at least kids Especially age, as a Christian mom. They're not big fan of their parents. I'm like, why do you like your parents? Like, well, they kind of let me live there. <laughs> That'd be nice to me, you know? Good point. Yes, Pat. A couple of thoughts. One is, and it's not trying to make Adam cry, but fits right into this um, of how loving others, and Adam doesn't know about this, but Angie stopped me and she was telling me how that she sees Abby in the last three or four years, how much Abby's grown and learned to love the old people. It's kind of like, it's easy to love people that are like you, and it's kind of, it gets harder and harder loving people who you don't really like. But Abby's learned to love the old people, and, and Angie's noticed it. I don't know who else says but Angie has actually noticed. Yeah, I'm, I noticed something you did today. It was just something a little simple. You endeavor to serve someone there. Kathy wanted some ice. You forgot, but you, but that's all right. It goes right along. It just doesn't matter. But you came back and you remembered and you made sure that she got the ice because you had forgotten and you were coming back to get her her ice. You know, you were being a servant. Um, that shows. What was the other thing that was talked about when you're talking about grandkids up at the church that Christy said? She was talking about because a lot of times Beth's uh, kids will go up and she says, Your grandkids work so hard. And she was just amazed at how, how the kids actually work because lots of kids are just lazy. You should be stand up. I mean, that's a simple thing. Uh, but you, you put in like a work ethic into your children, and they, especially as they get older. I mean, don't try too much while they're three and so. <laughs> but. Uh, Right yet. Yeah, <laughs> but eventually they'll do that, and you, and you teach them how to enjoy work and the, and the joy behind it, so that they are self-motivated toward it. Um, that's a testimony that br brings up things. That brings questions. Okay, another one, Gemma. I know for me, <laughs> I ended up running into our neighbor who's not out a whole lot um, on the one side, and she, I was asking how she was doing. And, treatments and stuff. I really want to go the other way, but I was like, I should go and say hi because she's, she's out, but she's never out. And um, But I thought for this week it's just a simple thing. It's just to check on Dina. I haven't seen her out in a while. Just text her if we get a chance to drop by. Um, just a little, hey, how you doing? Thinking of you. Um, 
multiple hands flying up here. Let's go with Abby first. Uh, with that, I was going to be remembering important things about people, like their names, things that happened in their life that are big to them, important days, and following up with it. I think that really shows sometimes that you care about them. Mm -hmm. um, and it can make, it's easy to, I actually forget a lot of stuff. But if you do remember things, you know, it's like, oh, this is the day that they're supposed to go for a job interview. Let's see the text. Or Ooh, yeah. different things like, I'm praying for you. And it's like, oh, they actually care. Because like, mm -hmm. everybody's just so busy these mm -hmm. days. Patty, you had your hand up? Yeah, two thoughts. Is Annie's dad, Brandon, of making a couple of men was able to go see him if we were able to help them to get accomplish getting his surgery through prayer and actual physical help. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really big. I think it would be a really big testimony to Diane. Maybe that's something you and I can go over and just see, see what, what the need is. the need is, and then maybe if it's because he's better, it might be being able to transport him, get him in something. Because um, it's really expensive for transport. And they're, apparently, he, he's allowed to have three transports, but they count a transport as getting him there as one, coming back as two. And the third one, they're just going to take him somewhere and leave me my head. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just some difficulties there, and uh, you know, it's just something God's put before us. Um, one of the things, you all at the home sung the Star Spangled Banner. And you do it really well. It sounded really good, especially for just off the cuff. I mean, you guys do that really well. I noticed when, I forget who it was, was walking by, was like, you know, kind of like, whoa. You know, I could tell that, that, that stopped them, you know, that sounds, sounds good. You know, so to use your talents, not to be prideful, <laughs> you can swing over the top of that, but just to do a good job for the Lord um, really does attract people to, to God. We, we ought to be good at what we do. Um, if all people ought to be able to be really good at what they do, now we can't put the time in that the world does because, because that's what they use their time for. They don't use any time for God. But God has when he's blessed us and he's given us things. But you'll find it's really interesting in churches, they have a hard time finding a piano player, even in bigger churches. Uh, but, you know, when you put your talents out there, it's, it's a really, it's a gift. Did anybody have anything else? Yeah. Uh, quick. Well, it kind of goes along with other people's, but uh, in some things, uh, it can be hard shouldn't be, but sometimes it is, but uh, just um, love, kind of enjoy doing uh, things like that uh, together as church, as uh, family love meeting together and enjoy it and it not being a, a task or a project, a project or a Church to the world and stuff is more of a, um, a sacrament kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's not an obligation or a job. <coughs> when you enjoy doing uh, that's something different. That is something I noticed. This church here, most of you like 
to sing. And that encourages me because I see you really enjoy it. You work at it, and that, that, that's, a, that's a blessing. It's like, man, mm, do it. <laughs> that's good. Yes. At the Church of Christ uh, on Saturday, it was it was neat. I know doctors, but they had their "I Love My Church" shirts on, and they're out there just serving. This lady drove these kids around the whole time on this uh, tractor thing, like, and she was happy as a lark. Like her expression was just, and the guy working there, and he was just really loving people. I was like, oh, this is a really, and there's all sorts of. So service, service and um, like you could tell the neighborhood had come in and just it's like this is a really good thing like I have to doctor for it but like it is speaking of people who are claiming the name of Christ and there's there's something there just tell you what we need to pray for other churches even besides our our church the independent Baptist church is not going to take care of everybody. People are going to go somewhere. Like Tim and Brittany, especially Brittany, kind of the level where they're at, she's a little more comfortable there. But I asked Timmy about, you know, about, he said they've got salvation, they preach, preach right. Um, so, I mean, it's the word of God. So, um, you know, we just need to pray whoever, whatever. And, and within even religious circles. I mean, I could take you to some Baptist churches. I'd say, don't ever go there. <laughs> they got, they're messed up, you know. Uh, but then there's some of these churches that may, as an entity, don't have it uh, exactly right. But individually, they're, they're people who are Christians and are in the Word and trying to do the best they can and give out the Word and have the right heart. God can use that. So... Um, be praying for that as well. However, God wants to use whoever. All right, anybody else? So, got some things to do this week? It's kind of, Abby was saying, it's um, just loving. It's hard to do sometimes. Uh, but loving and respecting your authorities. the dignities there's a whole portion of scripture that talks about that and those are the like the evil people who got to the point they don't mind talking bad about anybody and uh, they're evil on their call um, even where the scripture talks about the angels don't give accusation against these kind of people <laughs> so, so you certainly don't want to be of, of that group Tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Something supposedly attributed to Thomas Jefferson or whatever, but it's like it's not it's not scripture. It's like it goes right along with it. Yeah. But the it flush. sounds really good flush, but yeah. it's it's not. Some shame I wear. But that's definitely what's happening. Mm-hmm.
Yep, it's it's through the church. You know, this is this is our ground. We just need to really work at standing on the ground of the Word of God. And um, all right, yeah. So there's just some simple things. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. I think the devil wants to make witnessing complicated, or it has to go to this extent. It could just be small things. A lot of times it is the small things. You can't push things. Like I was in line. There was a guy at that golf tournament that's always there. And I was just, should I introduce myself to him, you know? And uh, I just didn't feel prompted. I just kept asking, should I do this? I really wasn't too nervous about it. The Lord's really, as you go out and do things that you're uncomfortable with, you'll get comfortable with them, and all of a sudden you'll enjoy it. Because you're, it's it's a right thing. It's what Christ would do, and you feel that that inner spirit. Um, I didn't say anything to him. I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, I could have, maybe. Um, I'm not saying right or wrong, but I did was in my mind thinking this is this is what I'm thinking of, uh, about. And uh, so we have our failures. Sometimes we have our successes, and so we share them. You know, that's what I hope on Wednesday night maybe we can bring in some, some, some things that we've, we've done, a little testimony of how we've gone out and at least attempted to witness. Maybe it's, I fell on my face and, man, did I get bruised. Um, but it could be something, just a little word, or it could be something, I led somebody to the Lord today. You know, never know. All right, let's end there. Father, we do thank you for the challenge to love one another. Uh, help us to love one another, especially the brethren. And then to be able to reach out with that love of to those who we may not like or those who even don't like us and still love them. What an awesome thing, a display of love that is. And so, Father, just help us as we've gone through this lesson today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.